0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the project purple podcast I'm Dino Varelli founder and CEO of project purple and today we're back in the podcast studio and we've got a special episode for you today unfortunately in the past couple of weeks our community has been rocked by the reality of this disease and losing some of our previous guests that have just meant so much to our community and today we are sharing a previous podcast From someone who recently passed away a guy who was a rock for our community getting involved here on the podcast being involved with our ambassadors coming on zoom calls with our teams and just sharing his experience and inspiring so many and that is ryan Hanadal. and before we air this episode that we recorded Back when Ryan was, was originally diagnosed um, and just had started his journey with pancreatic cancer and we got introduced to him, it was around episode 96 or 98. Um, this will be airing around 160. So it gives you kind of an idea, just the timeframe uh, when, we, when we were introduced to Ryan and we introduced him to our community. Our thoughts and prayers go to Ryan's family, his entire family his mom, his dad, his wife, his children, his siblings. You are in our positive thoughts and we are praying for peace for all of you. But we want you to know, Ryan had a a tremendous effect on our community, me personally and the staff here at Project Purple and our ambassadors. And we wanna thank you for allowing us to share in your family's journey with this thing called pancreatic cancer and what you guys experienced. I wanted to share a private detail uh, with the audience here that I had with Ryan and, and we would talk pretty regularly. And Ryan was just so uplifting and so inspiring. And uh, this is why we wanted to re air this episode again and, and just his mindset and what he was able to articulate what he was going through and how he was battling that was just amazing. But uh, Ryan and I used to communicate pretty regularly, just checking in, talking about things. And uh, he sent me he sent me something, and and what he wrote at the bottom of this card I'm not going to read the whole card, but just kind of goes to show what Ryan was all about. And his last words were, "Keep pushing forward!" Exclamation point. And I'll never forget that and i'll never forget the time that i was blessed to uh, have the opportunity to talk to ryan as a friend and to share his journey here at project purple on the podcast our youtube channel on facebook he was just so generous with his time so um, with that we hope you enjoy this episode that originally aired uh, a while back with ryan Hanadal. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. This is Dino Varelli, founder and CEO. And today we're back in the podcast studio with a special guest on the phone of ours, Ryan Holenottel from Missouri. Ryan, thank you for being on the Project Purple Podcast. Yeah,
1: thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: This is incredible. So full disclosure for our audience listening at home. And, and Ryan, I know you and I were just talking before we got on the podcast recording here. You and I, met on social media, I, I think, you know, one of the, and you know, this is kind of a, this could be a, a, a double-edged sword, right, is what I'm about to say about social media. I think, you know, social media for me, and in particular for our audience and for this community, has been great because we've been able to connect with so many people from not just here in the United States. it's We've got some guests coming up that are overseas in the UK and Australia, but we've really been able to connect. And, and I've got to say, Ryan, I, I've got to, as I tell all the survivors, when they go out to social media, it is so inspiring to me and to us to have people share their life and their journey with pancreatic cancer on social media. So thank you for doing that. And that's how we connected, quite honestly, you know, is is on that social media uh, following on Instagram, uh, right. to right. be exact. And I know you've got a, a website, which we're gonna get into a blog that, you know, I, I was looking at the other day and, uh, you know, w- w- with that, You know, we connected on Instagram and thank you for taking the time to to talk to us today and talk to our audience. As we do with all our guests, Ryan, this is your opportunity to open the show up and share with our audience your background. And and I'll preface it by saying you can go into as much as you want, um, as far back uh, as you want, or as much of your family and your background as you want, and then we'll go from there.
1: Uh, you know, I'm in I'm in the fitness space, and that's probably where my my story begins. Um, you know, high school running um, into college, and, and it goes from there. You know, into my 20s, um, and I say it this way because I know your audience is, is a lot of runners, and that's that's a beautiful thing, and that's that's where I come from. And uh, you know, going through my 20s, adventure races to marathons. Uh, half marathons, plenty of 5 k just like probably most of us. Um, you know, just just going through all the, the different things and progression, trying to get better and what's next. And um, you know, it's just a, a consistent battle to what can I, how can I improve? Um, I mean mean, I, then I had a spot in my 30s where uh, you know you start having kids, and it's probably a similar story to a lot of people. I, that fades away. I'm not by any means blaming my kids. They are not to blame for, uh, you know, fading away from, from my, my fitness. Um, that was about a five year spent and I, I came through it and, um, that's when I started my, my blog and my, my website. I needed, I needed something to be sustainable. Um, it's a long run, long run fit is my, is it's kind of my theme, my moniker. And I just needed something sustainable. And I, I, I figured it out for myself. Everybody's different. Um, and I'm sharing that. And so I got into that and I and I <laughs> finally got to where where I was going and uh and this this all came out uh, into this next phase and uh you know, I look at it as the the next challenge. Powerful. And that's, that's bringing us to where we are now uh quickly. But uh
0: yeah. So you were and and, you know, I'm looking at your website and I was reading it the other day. So you were pretty active growing up and in college. And as you said, uh, so running and and everything, but then I know I I think you, you know, you said, uh, you know, I think life changes, you know, we all go through these life changes right at various times. And so you and your wife decide to start a family and you gain some weight, but then you decided to get back in the game, as they say, right? Right. And so you get back into shape, you start running again. Um, and then you get kind of, how, how do you, when did the symptoms start and how does that happen?
1: It was the first, the first symptoms were, I had, I had a very uh, stressful couple of weeks, uh, leading up to a a trip to Scotland and I had, I thought it was stress. I had a, a lot of things I needed to get accomplished before leaving for the trip, um, uh, Including selling a house, moving out, work started to pile up because I was going to be gone, and I was I was helping uh, a mercy ministry, trying to get some folks a house and a livable space, and it, it all kind of came together um, in a you know perfect storm, and I thought it was stress tightened in my chest, and then I leave for Scotland, and it kind of alleviated, and the day I get back it was it was too much and i'm a guy who does not go to the doctor i just i fight through it and i want my body to take care of it you know we're we're designed to to do these things and but this was this was beyond um, a normal situation and i knew it so i went in um, severe reflux what i had was a a mass of undigested food called the bees were potentially um that was that was stuck kind of at the top of my stomach, so anything I ate reflux terrible reflux um, you know took a took a couple of weeks to you know hey let's just take some um you know things for the reflux um, and and i it was it was not just that, so I went to the to g i and they looked me in the eyes I had lost twenty pounds at that point, and i was in my fitness, I was to the place where I was I was healthy. I was where I needed to be, wanted to be for you know years. Losing twenty pounds was not the not the goal. And uh, he saw it in my eyes. He just looked at me and said, "No, this is this is not just just the you know the food." And so that that evening, I I, I started to to pass these uh, this under this the food, and that was actually the most pain I've had was getting getting that um, through. So a series of uh, scans and tests. Uh, I reluctantly went to them. You know, still, you don't want to pay for it. You don't. You know, my advice is, if, if they think you should get a scan, go get a scan because what? What do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. Uh, money is not. <laughs> you know, it's not worth it. So, so I went in, got the scan, a uh, series of scopes, um, you know, the ultrasound, biopsy, scope, and the, the CT scan. They found the mass and. In front of this
0: cancer is? So, the time that this happened, how far back are we talking, Ryan? In terms of today, you know, beginning in twenty twenty, when when was this all starting to kind of give you some issues? That
1: would have been I'm I'm two months in at this point from diagnosis.
0: Wow! So three months ago then. So fall of two thousand and nineteen then we could say. Yes. Yes. So I know in, in reading you know, your information on your, on your blog though, but like you had gained some weight in the, in the process of just, you know, aging, as we said before, had started a family and then you decided to kind of, you know, reassess and, and read, not reassess, but readjust kind of lifestyle and start getting back to fit. So, and your kids now are, are you got two boys. Two boys and a
1: baby girl. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. two years old. So how old your oldest? 12.
1: Wow. I have 12, 8, and 2.
0: So when you decided to kind of get back into shape, how far back was that?
1: That was five years ago.
0: So five years ago, you had lost a significant amount of weight. I think reading on your website, what, you, you lost almost like more than 40 pounds or close to 40 pounds? I, I,
1: lost, I lost a total of 60, and then wow. I, I gained 10 back with, with muscle.
0: So 60 pounds about five years ago, and then you, you gain another 10 back just by you know adding muscle. So let's say you lost 50 pounds just from diet, exercise to get back into shape. And then yes. so for previously to the fall of 2019, you didn't really have any issues or was there anything? I mean, I know this is a hard question because we always can look back and hindsight's always twenty twenty, but there was nothing glaring, nothing of issue that you didn't have or that you were having that you had in the fall of 19.
1: Not at all. That's why this is, um, as I said before, maybe I haven't (laughs) processed enough. It's all new. Like I have not had any issue with health in the past. And, you know, I was at a great place and it's, um, you know, thankfully it was just a beautiful place to be. Um, yeah, it's, it's completely out of the blue.
0: Well, I think too, as runners too, as an athlete, right, you kind of know your body best as well too. So, I know we've had a lot of runners on and and survivors that have been athletes, regardless of whether they were still competing or or still training, or if they were athletic years ago, they kind of knew that something was off and and had to become their biggest advocates. So in the fall, were you still working out? I mean, I know we we didn't talk about that before we started recording, but I know from your blog, I mean, I know you're still pretty active now. Um, but were you still running races and stuff like that in the fall?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I got into a, a place where I wasn't getting sore anymore. So I, I progressed from, from body weight exercises, hit um, into, uh, more running and also, uh, some kettlebells out of the weight and progressed into some barbell heavy lifts. And that's where I was five days a week, one hour each day consistent for a good two years it was a good it was a good place
0: so we you doing like crossfit or just hit classes
1: no i'm maybe similar to the crossfit i i i have done some of that but that's yeah. not I'm just on my own i just gather yeah, yeah. inspiration from different places and, and try it out and and see what works with with me um you know yeah, the, the idea is sustainable so what whatever you can do to make it sustainable to last if you have to enjoy it, the results need to be there because that's what will keep you going back.
0: Well, I think you said something that's very powerful, you know, sustainable exercise with results. And I think that's something with uh, a lot of the workouts, you know, I think they tend to be fads because people get some uh, results, but then I don't think they can sustain them, you know, because they're just quick hits and stuff like that.
1: And, yeah, yeah. And your your goal cannot be in 20 days from now, I need to... this this weight it has to it has to be a long term goal
0: well it's it's like running a marathon right as you know and and, and, running those long distance those high mileage like you gotta put in the time and it's not something that happens overnight people just don't go out and, uh, run marathons, you know, tomorrow, if they haven't trained today and if they right. haven't trained for the last, you know, three months, it's going to hurt. I mean, you can probably do it, but you're not going to do it under five hours. <laughs> <laughs> no. And
1: you have, you have to enjoy the process. Yeah. You have to enjoy every, every moment where you are at that moment.
0: You have to, it's key. Right. So, the fall of 2019, you start to have these digestive issues, this massive reflux, you get this testing. How many doctors and, and this is a question that I want to bring up, how many doctors did you see before you were diagnosed to say, hey, like you have uh, you know, a mass or you that you have pancreatic cancer? Was it fairly quickly, Ryan?
1: It it was, and I'll and I'll tell you why, and this is something I wanted to bring up is is I had I had a friend that is a GI specialist that pushed on the doors and the Lord opened them up and it, it I had a much faster response time than likely I would have had without my friend. And so, all to say, uh, I had a I, so I went to my primary doctor. They said, "Yeah, it's reflux." Uh, he kind of he kind of looked at me as well, like, "Yeah, the weight loss—that's something." That's there's something to that. But he gave me a uh, three weeks out. You're going to meet with this GI doctor for a meet and greet, and that just didn't fit well. That's too long. You know, if something's really wrong, like three weeks to just meet a guy is a long time. Yeah. So, so I I called my my wife was was talking with our friend and and she's like, hey, did you did you know that I'm a GI specialist? No, I'm great. So I the next uh, I think it was two days later I get into to their office and the doctor there is the one who who saw that there's there's more there's more here and that's what that's when I started to pass that that food and so I mean it, it was maybe four or five days later I'm getting a scope with this guy so that's that's doctor number two and so in that three weeks time I saw the last uh, GI doctor. Who, did, who had the ultrasound and biopsy option in that three weeks time? That that I had been diagnosed, I would have just met the first DI doctor if I went that route. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how people do it if you don't have this kind of inside track um, connection with somebody, you know, to wait that long. I, I don't know. It's and, and, and in the cancer world that's that's a lot of time, you know, potential growth it's
0: yeah I, I mean I know we we've had clinicians, and I could speak of it from this angle, right we've had clinicians on that say you know it's it's it, to get a second opinion to to you know to wait a month is not a big deal. I, I think the biggest thing though is getting that diagnosis because we've had a lot of people on, and that's why I wanted to bring up the question that wait. Three months, four um, months, five months right. to get a, an official diagnosis. That go through a series and battery of tests, and even from, for my example with my dad, it was six months, you know, which is far too long. So to know that like within three weeks from start to finish that you were given a diagnosis and then, you know, you could put a game plan together, um, is, is great to hear. And I hope that, uh, you know, it sounds like, yeah, you you had a friend who, who got you in, but also the doctors are being more aware and that's something that is so critical, man, because, you know, these GIs, these general practitioners, the more that we can make them aware of, you know, reflux. Flux is a big sign. Uh, rapid weight loss is another big sign. You know, uh, did you have any abdominal pain or back pain or anything along those lines?
1: I had the back pain. Yes, it was. I guess pushing on my the nerves in, uh, my, in my back.
0: Yeah, so back pain is another one, right? But you know, as you know, as you work out, like back oh, pain yeah. could it, be from like it just deadlifts. Felt like
1: I, <laughs> I did too many too many lifts. You know, yeah, that's what it felt like.
0: Yeah, so but it's really uh it's great to hear that you were diagnosed as quickly because I know there's probably people listening, similar to my experience with my dad, you know, it's taken a little bit longer. Granted, my experience was ten years ago, but uh, you know, it's good to hear that they they diagnosed it right away. So from that standpoint, Ryan, and then I'm sure, and if you could share with our audience, you know, what goes on, like what what was your next step and kind of what were you thinking? And and I know Probably is still, some of it's probably still settling in because it's, it's been about three months. You said,
1: yeah, there's, there's a lot of emotion you go through. Um, you know, the, the dark conversations that you have with your wife, I, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, you know, we, we only did that for about a week and that was actually the week prior to the actual diagnosis. I think we, we kind of knew, but we still had the, the hope. Maybe it's just a cyst, only a cyst, right? Um, so, you know, we went through, my wife and I went through the, the conversation, I call it the dark conversations of, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she reaffirmed It's going to, we're going to be okay. And at that point, there's, there was zero hope from the medical community. And that's not, I understand why they, it's not to give a false hope. They can't really, they can't guarantee that you're going to be fine, but they, there was zero hope. And, you know, that was, that was the hardest part. And going through the conversations of all that is, uh, you know, maybe it was good that we did, um, to to know where we stand on, um, if this is potential. Um, but I had another uh, friend of the family who is, is a thoracic surgeon. He was able to give me some hope. He said, look, I told him the size. It was, uh, four centimeters by three centimeters. He said, look, it's not, it's not spread. You are, we caught he used the word early, caught it early. And mm-hmm. that that was the first glimmer of hope. And that was that was actually on the day that I was diagnosed, but I got that. And you know, you hold on to every little piece of hope. Um, the next piece of hope was the, the surgeon that we met with that day he said that there's a the path is three three months of chemo and I rejoiced because I I've got three months. I didn't know. You know, you don't know. No one said, no one said stage four. No one gave me four or three, no, no stages, no time frame. I didn't know if it was next week. That's where I was. To hear that, okay, you got, you've got a three month uh, window and we will reassess with a scan and see how you're responding. That was, that was great news for me.
0: So did they give you staging?
1: No, that word was not used. The time frame was not used. And I'm okay with that, you
0: know. I'm
1: okay to not be, you know, boxed into an ideal.
0: So right now, the team is, or the, the plan is to do chemotherapy for the next three months and then reassessment. But have they talked about surgery or, you know, you mentioned that it has not metastasized, so it's strictly in your pancreas?
1: Correct uh it's mine is in the middle so it will not be the whipple yep uh it will be it's called the Applebee, which is the middle towards the back i'll leave the the middle to the back and and including the spleen mm-hmm. um you know and i don't know you know i'm not researching um but I, I i don't know how much function the you know the head of the pancreas can do uh but that, that is, but the, the beauty is that the good news is that I, it is resectable. I, do, I can have the surgery.
0: That's a, a miracle, man. Yes. I mean, sta- statistically, you know, one in five are resectable, uh, not to right. throw a stat at you, but you know, and I, I mean, I, I'm not a, a expert on the pancreas, but I know that, uh, you know, anytime any surgeries involved or any type of procedure, you know that there's usually you know diabetics uh, usually come about that. Um, sometimes, uh, depending on where it is, I know we we do have uh, one guy uh, who's been a, a guest on our podcast, Rob Stewarti, uh our friend Rob, who's actually a marathoner who was never a marathoner. Um, and then after he had done his, uh, he had a Whipple, but after he had done his Whipple he was waking up in the uh, recovery and he told his wife, I'm going to run a marathon. And he's almost uh, through number six, I believe he's got one more left. And like the last, I think he's done, he'll, he'll do six in about three years. Wow. never running a marathon. And he's done a handful with us and he's trying to go after that world major marathon. Uh, yes. I believe Rob had a whip on. I don't think he's diabetic. I don't think he ever, um, uh, okay. you know, had an issue, you know, post and he was, he was really fortunate. He, his margins were clean. I mean, he still goes for scans every six months. I think now he's up to, yeah. um, but he, he didn't require surgery, uh, or excuse me, chemotherapy post-surgery. So I think, you know, everyone is different. I will tell you that, Ryan. I mean, I think for listeners at home that have dealt with this, they know this. I mean, I don't think you can put two people in a room that would have kind of the same identical, you know, uh, procedures and same follow-up given that. I mean, that's what's, I think, the frustrating thing in somewhat I think people get put in boxes with the disease. You know, you you get people, and I say boxes, like they're common, but they're not identical in terms of treatment and how they respond to the treatment and yeah. you know what their what their protocol was and how they respond after and what the side effects are and how they're treated i mean we've had people you know that have been on 5fu which is a you know the full that you know do very well and then there's people that don't do well at all yeah. you know so and th- the same could be said about some other types of treatments that are used uh, you know gemcitabine um, as a whole, you know, does really well with some people and other people does, you know, negative effects. So it's really fascinating. And I think we've said this on the podcast before. I think that's where the science has to get better and we're pushing, you know, we're one of the groups out there. There's a lot of other groups as well, but, uh, I think we're, we're going to get there, uh, just hopefully sooner than later for a lot of folks, including yourself. Right. So with your treatment, then Ryan, what are you? Um, since I mentioned the five FU and, and the gem yes. gemcitabine, what are you currently? What's your treatment protocol?
1: Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's the it's full Paranox. Every two weeks, it's uh, I, I, from what I understand, pretty common for this. Um, yeah, so every two weeks, uh, you know, you sit in the chair for you know six to eight hours, and then they hook you up with uh, the five FU and take it home with you. And two days later you you take it out and try to recover
0: and so um, far, how many treatments have you had?
1: I've had three. I have number four tomorrow uh, so so my experience with with this and i I wish this on everybody i, I, I don't, I've had a, a pretty good experience with it, and i I know that a lot of people don't so i'm I'm responding well. So I have the four to five days after the treatment is just, I don't want to eat. I'm sleeping a lot. It's just get through it. The next nine to 10 days is I'm completely hungry, which of course there's digestive um, issues as well, but I'm hungry nonstop and it's amazing. And so I'll lose about four pounds for those four to five days. And then my goal is to gain them back at least. And if it's not, I can, you know, gain some more. And because at this point i'm thirty five pounds down from that from that initial weight, and so my goal is just to to eat enough um clean It's hard to get calories clean as well mm-hmm. um, but that's that's the goal, and get back as much weight as I can because I know I'll need it because'm because am i am going to lose four pounds in ten days right um, so that's that's how I'm responding, and i'm as I mentioned earlier, uh, before the, before we started giving myself permission to do things has been, that's been just this, this week, this round has been letting myself go for a run, go for a walk. You can do it. And I don't know if it was the, the box I put myself in or uh, some language from a doctor or something I read. I don't know, but just this, this round, it took me two rounds to get moving again, and, and you know, it could be, there's a lot to process, but I'm not going to, I'm not letting it get me, and I'm going to pursue as normal as I can what I was doing before, as much as I can.
0: Well, I think that's the mindset you have to have, if I could say give you my opinion, because uh you shouldn't hold back. I mean, unless physically, you know, and unless you, you know, I I can see if you've got the pump on you, you know, it's kind of hard to run and work out, you know, or or if the day after you're not feeling a hundred percent, but the days that you feel great, man, let it rip.
1: You know, and now that I think about it, it was, it was likely the calorie burn where I was trying to gain weight. And if I'm, if I'm working out, I don't, I don't want to burn the calories that I worked so hard to get. Maybe that's where that came from.
0: So I got a question for you because I just noticed something that's, uh, that's really fascinating. You mentioned that you lose the four pounds and then, you know, you're down 35 pounds and nutrition and working out. So this was something, I mean, and if I go back to the beginning discussion where you had lost all that weight, you kind of sound very systematic in terms and very, um, what's the proper term? Not programmatic, but like to lose all that weight, you probably knew like, Hey, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to intake. This is the amount of calories I have to expend, right? Like in terms of working out, like, what do I have to do? But that, that mindset then comes to this as well, Ryan. Am I right or am I wrong? Because I can hear you say like, Hey, I'm losing four pounds. So I know I have to have you yeah. know dense enough nutrition? So it's almost like you're. It's almost mentally like you're. You're prepared to do this because you did this before. Now, yeah. granted, it's not the same level. I'm. I'm not trying to. Um, uh, you know, say this is. The, I'm not trying to lessen the the seriousness of this. But and, and the reason why I bring this up is because we've had so many survivors on this podcast, and it's and it's so eerie for me. Like the, the the hair on the back of my neck is standing up now as I say this because. We've had people on that, you know, they they were physically fit before they got sick and they were triathletes or just athletes, you know, and, and we had one guy, a PE instructor for the fire department. And, you know, he, he, he taught PE and then he got cancer and he didn't change anything. And he used all the skills that he had in being a PE instructor and working out to fight this disease. Yeah, had people just mentally, you know, they had this mental aptitude part to getting sick, and when they got sick, yeah, they they got knocked down. And they go through those yeah. moments, but then they they get back on that that horse and they yes. they rally and they use all of those things that they learned before to get them through this battle. Absolutely. So
1: absolutely, it took me the, the two rounds to get knocked down. Yeah, the third round is when I. I, I resorted to my training. Yeah. I've been doing this for twenty twenty years preparation it's I have to go into that mental space you know the you know the feeling the, yeah. the visualization before you go into a race the day before the day of leading up to that that's my treatment but so I, I know I'm going in for four to five days of a lot of mental physical it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough run you know it's gonna be a tough ride but if you get into that space as a as a runner as a athlete, you know the feeling. You know it, and you can it's you can get through it. You always do. You always get through it.
0: So that's a great point. And for our listeners at home, we might have some listeners that have never run. What right. are some of the things that and and don't know about like that visualization and, and visualization and getting in that space? What are some of the things that? I mean, is it similar to like a race? Like I know for us, like we tell our runners. And when I run, like I visualize, okay, like my training runs, okay, visualize getting to the finish line, night before the race, putting out all of uh, the clothes so you can visualize you wearing the clothes and and getting ready, getting your sneakers ready. Also so that you're not thumbing around the morning of trying to find sneakers or trying to find socks or the right shorts to wear. What are some of the things that you do now, like going into, so you got chemo tomorrow, when will that start start tonight or tomorrow morning, or will it start when we get off the phone? and what are some of the things that you're thinking about?
1: I think about it constantly. Um, I know it's coming. I try not to. There, there are days and uh, moments where I forget because I, honestly i I feel normal. It's amazing. i I wish that on everybody i I, I feel a little guilty because I hear stories. i'm res- I am responding well to this, and I'm, I'm doing what I, what I normally do. But to anyone, the, the beginning of my mental, um, stamina and the start of that happened in high school where Steve Prefontaine and then all the runners know who that guy is. Uh, look him up. But his quote, give anything less than your best, but to sacrifice the gift. That is where I started with this, um, mental toughness and preparation. That's where I started to. You, you you don't have an option but to give your best. It's a gift, you know. You don't sacrifice the gift that you've been given, which is your life. So give it your best. There's no there's no other option.
0: That's so powerful. So that's something that you learned early on in life, and then just has carried with you throughout your life. Then.
1: Yes, absolutely. Was that? And it goes for every situation. You know?
0: So was that something that uh, someone in your family or just something you read? I mean, I know Fontaine was probably a little bit before your time, uh, not yeah, to age you here, but, uh, and I know being a runner, I mean, I think, it, you know, we all as runners, you know, that what everyone, you know, I think when you, when you type in running, you know, pre comes up usually in like, you know, the top 10 of running all time, right. 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 Uh, in terms of what he was able to do in such a short period of time. But so was that something that was just found or something that, you know, someone kind of put onto you?
1: Yeah, so the, the the cross country and track team uh in high school, we would watch the film. The, the the movie came out about his life. Yeah. Right around that time. And we would watch that the night before. And if you're not inspired by that uh, you don't have to be a runner. Uh <laughs> it's it's incredible. So that was our that was our kind of routine. So that's kind of the visualization, the uh you know, the motivation, getting ready, get inspired and and get ready get ready for the fight every time
0: so you said something as well that I want to hit on just now you said you feel pretty normal so you've had in terms of side effects for the the three treatments that you've done has it been minimal
1: the first round was rough it was a complete shock to my system of course the first the first two weeks was not great um, pretty much felt like what the first five days feel so like now yeah. I had that for the first two weeks and the second round, um, it, it really was, it started to feel normal. And I, I thought maybe that's why I just couldn't believe it. Maybe, you know, I didn't know if the next day is going to be terrible. You just don't know. Um, and I do know that I had an influx of prayer at that time and I just, it just felt, I felt normal and I didn't know that was possible. And so now now, it continued through the rest of that, um, the rest of that treatment. And at the end of it, I walked two miles around a a hilly lake, and that was kind of my indicator on, you know what, I can do stuff. So the next treatment was very similar, and I didn't wait to walk the, the two miles until the last day. I did it on the fifth day. So, uh, and, you know, you saw that I, I started running. It was yeah. Not a lot. I was out of breath. It was cold, you know. That's uh, one of the symptoms. Is the cold throat? Yep. And fingertips. Actually, my my fingertips uh, got to me before. Even the breathing was an issue. I I just had to go in.
0: The neuropathy. Uh, yes. Yep. But other than that, you haven't. Uh, I mean, you haven't had any big, I guess, uh, setbacks.
1: Not not really. There's there's some fatigue. Yep. Of course, we know. It does not help your fatigue. It's no. exercise, and yeah. um, when I, you know, remembered this is when I kicked it in gear. I need to walk. Walking is uh, where where I'm thriving right now. Um, you know, going for a run is, is as well therapy. Walking is is great um, for many many things.
0: Are you able still to lift weights? ryan and do any sort of and i'm not saying like uh like a hit class but still do uh a little bit of weight training or anything along those lines
1: i'm not doing any weights yet i'm i'm starting some hit stuff just push-ups squats the the basics body weight it's interesting because i'm I'm back to where i when i started this journey five years ago i'm i'm turning at the same place with push-ups you know great looking forward to being sore again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, that's a good thing to look forward to. So yeah. in terms of nutrition and working out, is there anything else that you're doing? I know we talked a little bit about visualization. Are you meditating at all to help you kind of get through this? Or is there anything like out of the ordinary that you're eating to kind of help you get through kind of the, the battle here? Meditation is, is
1: something that I'm, I'm starting to visit. Tai Chi. I've I've begun early stage of, of figuring that out, and what I like about it is the the physical breathe in, push out, push it away, and it's it's been it's been really beautiful to to do that. I'm I'm trying to do that every morning, and I'm I'm up to maybe I mean maybe two minutes. Just it's the start, you know. Um, but I want to increase the breathing and. And meditation that's a huge thing, you know, they, they talk about you need to deal with all your, your you know, get to that mental space and, mm-hmm. and and push out you have to be positive. There's no way that you can have a negative thought in this and and, and go through. You need you need that hope.
0: And I know before we uh started recording you said faith has been a big part of, of your life and, and really I, I would imagine in, in this kind of situation, that's probably one of the backbones of, of something that's going on in, in your life today. Do you want yes. to talk? So how's that been? I mean, have you always been a man of faith and
1: yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. The day, the very night that I was, I was diagnosed, we came back from meeting the surgeon And the surgeon, I asked, you know, he told me less than 1% of guys your age, I'm 39, less than 1% receive this diagnosis. I said, well, that's, that's fine, but why, why, why do I have this? Why, what are the, you know, I don't, I don't understand. He said, it's just bad luck. It did not fit well with me Mm. because I don't, I don't, I don't believe in luck and going home. Um, yeah. that, that very evening, the Lord met with me, and this is where, this is where my faith, um, has been completely strengthened. Is he, the Lord met with me that night and said, this is, this is not bad luck. This is an opportunity. And even, even more intimately, just after that, he said, do not be afraid. I'm with you. And it, you know, it's not audible. And if you if you haven't experienced this, it's it's hard to explain. But I know these words were there, and at that moment, right when I needed it, the crux of the I could go any direction, negative, positive, in between. I can take this, think about this anyway. My perspective was completely shifted that at that moment towards opportunity. And so, as I one month later. This this word opportunity had been just uh, just such a beautiful way to to have your perspective because if you ask the question why 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 me it it, it is not it never leads to a good spot hmm. and so if you're if you're if the answer to why is it's your opportunity that's that's huge and so one month later I learned that the um. The word for crisis in the Chinese Chinese character was composed of two words, which are dangerous and opportunity. <laughs> and when that became a, an actual definition of the word crisis, a dangerous opportunity, I, I took that on. That's what this is. This is exactly what this is. We all have an opportunity to, to grow. We have an opportunity to receive strength. You know, as in the fitness world, if you don't have resistance, you don't get stronger. You need this resistance. And so this, this is a huge weight, um, you know, but the, the strength, the potential strength through this is amazing. And the opportunity to encourage and and, uh, and go through this, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, and so when your perspective becomes definition, beautiful things.
0: That's powerful, man. I mean, just to hear you say that and, and you know, think about that for a moment. And, and, uh, and I think regardless of what faith you believe in, there is a higher calling. And I think that uh, at least I can say again, Ryan, for, for the folks that we've had on the podcast, the people that have beat this thing and, and, and have fought this thing, faith always comes into the equation. Yes. You know, and I think that's something that I hope the listeners at home understand. And I mean there there is a there is a higher calling to all of us, whether you believe in God or Jesus or you know Judaism, Islam, Christianity. Uh, faith is just so important to have, I think. And and you know, we're all put in positions in life, and and I think you know what we do with them and how we react to them as you said is 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 almost your definition of crisis you know it's 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 a dangerous opportunity you know and, and it's fascinating to me as i can say this ryan is uh you know there's no such thing as bad luck i, I don't necessarily agree with what the doc, you know with the, that statement um and i would concur um with what you said but you know it, it's fascinating to me that people find the strength and find the courage to come out and publicly talk about this. And uh, as I said before we started recording, I really appreciate your honesty and your courage to come out and do this because I know it's not easy. It's probably not easy on your family as well, your wife and your kids, but it inspires us all to hear your story, whether it's in print on on your website, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and to be on the podcast and to share this because... The world needs to hear more of it, quite honestly. I mean, there's just yeah. not enough people talking about it. And I think that's one of the things, and I know uh, we haven't asked this question yet, but how much research have you done online? I guess I'll ask the question first.
1: <laughs> Zero. Do you have to... that's what I encourage everyone to do. Zero research.
0: That's the right answer. My...
1: <laughs> <laughs> you will not find what you want on the internet. Yeah. Um, so er- er- early on, my, my wife is the researcher. And she said, you are not allowed to do this.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: So you telling me the story about Rob who had success and is running marathons, That that is what we need.
0: Yeah. We need
1: that encouragement. It's hard to find those stories. And I love that you are doing this work to get these stories out. Well. Because, y- uh, you know, you just don't know. You don't know what to expect. You don't know that it's possible. When you know it's possible, you can, you can do it as well.
0: Well, that, that you just said it, you know, and I, I think that's the one thing. And and to go back to why I asked that question, I think so many people get caught in this trap. So if there's people listening, stay off the internet. And yeah, I think the internet's a great resource. It's got a lot of valuable information for certain things and for other things, it's just not worth your time uh, to go searching about, you know, particular, you know, research topics that aren't going to do anything any good, um, and especially with, you know, pancreatic cancer. I think it's great to connect with people, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, I think we've, we found a way, you know, clearly, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast to connect with you and, and some other folks from around the world that are fighting this thing and sharing their journeys. And those are the things I love hearing about, but I think we all know the reality, um, of the disease, but we also know that everyone is different. So, you know, what, what's on the internet, um, could be helpful, but it also could be harmful. And, and, you know, I think that's the kind of distractions that no one needs, yes. you know? So I, I love that you answered that question and, and God bless your wife, uh, for saying <laughs> yes, that to absolutely. you, know, making, making sure you're not on the internet. Let's talk about your wife for a second. How's it been? And, and I know this is you answering for her. How's it been for the family?
1: She's my rock in this. She's been amazing. She's doing the research on food, nutrition supplements all the work that i would have i would be doing but she is doing it all she's cooking for me uh not letting me eat the things that i really want to but <laughs> you know you know because the truth is you're, you're either feeding it or you are starving it yeah. and uh i had i had been typically doing a 90 a 10 so i'll be 90 percent on a you know if you if you read my stuff i've Cleaned up my diet, and I, you know, ten percent. You need a, you can't do a hundred because you're a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but she, she said, "Nah, this this you're up at ninety eight too. So <laughs> that's where we are. So I've got two percent that I'm not uh, participating in my uh, things that I, I want to eat." <laughs>
0: So you're really cognizant of, of what you're uh, what you're ingesting, putting into your body at this point in time. But similar, I, I would say, Ryan. I mean, this was probably similar to going back to that example as we said before about when you lost all that weight. I mean, is it is it a vast difference from that time in your life? Because to lose all that weight, I mean, you've got to be pretty disciplined you know, to, to be able to lose that amount of weight and to, I mean, I know you're, you were probably doing a lot more cardio, but still it, just cardio doesn't mean you're going to lose 60 pounds and, and change. your no. so. Yeah. It
1: was about three years. So that's, that's where the long run comes in is it took me three years because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to just lose it fast, you know?
0: Yeah. And then in terms of, uh, the kids just to talk to them for a second, if that's okay. I mean, yeah. how's it been, uh, with, with the children? I mean, I know you, you said you've got 12, eight and two.
1: Uh, my 12-year-old uh, son, he he understands what's going on. He, I can see it in his eyes. He'll give me the look. But he knows, he knows that I will fight this and we are fighting this. And he knows that this is going to be fine. And uh, the 8-year-old, not quite there, you know, just yeah. he's in his own world. And, uh, of course, the 2-year-old, you know, I just... I just soak her up and love on her. That's that's all she needs anyway. But
0: that's what um, you need, <laughs> yeah. So um, just giving them just giving them hope, that
1: they don't they don't need to know anything else. That um, they know the weight. They know it's serious. But I just give them positive feedback on everything and encourage them that look, your pops is going to fight this, and that's what we do. Is we fight anything that comes to us, we fight.
0: It's powerful stuff. It's a powerful message for for people listening at home. I got a couple questions here for you. Any family history of cancer or pancreatic cancer in either, well, in in either your mom or your dad's family?
1: Yeah, my my grandfather on my mother's side had, he had prostate cancer. Okay. And, you know, they didn't do surgery or anything. He just kind of had to just get through it. No treatments. Yeah. Um. And so that that was that was the biggest thought was well, well, maybe it skips a generation. Yeah. That's why I have it. So we had the, the
0: genetic yeah, testing.
1: Genetic. Yeah, yeah, we had genetic tests, and it came back negative. So it's it's just me. Um, which was another good piece of good news because I was able to tell my my siblings, hey, you don't have to have the conversation with your kids that there's this potential looming danger ahead of you Um, and for my kids as well, you know, that was, that was a huge relief for me that, no, it's just me. I need to get through this and um, we don't have to have those conversations and
0: yeah, that was good. That's pretty powerful. What you just said though, Ryan, because it's a selfless mentality, you know, and, and uh, it's powerful, you know, and, 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 and sometimes, you know, I think we get caught up, you know, in, in the, why me, but that's, you know, it's almost let it be you as you say just now and, and fight it so that your kids don't have to fight it. Your siblings don't have to fight it. And no. it's powerful. I
1: mean, when, when you, when you frame it as an opportunity, it's not about you. This yeah. is, this, this is not about me. I've, I've been given an opportunity to encourage, to share, to get through this and show what's possible. And I just, I'm, completely confident that this is this is going to go that direction. I don't, I don't see anything. I don't see the potential for any any other way.
0: It's powerful stuff. Uh, a couple more questions here. I know in your uh, in your blog you talk a lot about friends You've mentioned friends. I've I, taken notes this whole time. If we had a video uh, portion of our, our blog here, people would see it. I've got a, a yellow pad here with notes all <laughs> over it. Um, so I've written friends here, you know, friend is a GI specialist, friend of a family yeah. is a surgeon. Um, and you know, those two people were super instrumental. I know on your blog, you write about the friends. Uh, I, I know I've seen one of the, I think the blog post was about friends and perspective if my memory serves me right. right two parts of this question. How important have the friends been, which is part number one, and then I'll ask part number two once you get that answer out.
1: Okay, friends has been the prayers that we've received, the encouragement that we've received, the cash. I mean, just the the, the amount of response that has come through this has been overwhelmingly incredible. The friends, um, you know, friends that I haven't talked to in a while, showing up And, you know, the the blessings that come from that is that I would have not known that that amount of care was there unless this had happened. So, the amount of blessing that can come, that has come already, and that goes for family. My family has been just beyond what I can, um, it's there, you know, it's always there, but until this happens, you don't fully know, and so... uh, yeah, the importance of, of people surrounding you uh, cannot be anymore. Uh, yeah, you need it at this time. You need it.
0: That's who you lean on. Second part of the question is, and, and we get this a lot, I think, from from people that know someone who's battling. What's the most powerful thing? friends can do or and let me rephrase that what's probably and you can give an example you don't have to give names what's kind of been like the the best thing that your friends have done for you because i think a lot of times and, and the reason why i asked this question is you know someone gets diagnosed or someone gets sick with this disease and then friends don't know what to do And a lot of times, some of the friends will call, you know, people who have friends will call us and be like, hey, what should I do? And I always say, well, just be normal, you know, like ask ask your friend what they would like to do. Do they want to go to the movies? Do they want to go out for coffee? If they can't summit coffee, then, you know, find something else, but just do something that you normally would do. So with that, I'd love to hear, you know, some of the, and you can give an example, like I said, or you don't have to name any names in particular of of what's kind of been the, the the most powerful thing some of your friends have done for you.
1: I think you, the word normal is is key. When when they treat you differently, you start to realize that you have something wrong with you. Yeah. You do, of course, but the, the mental knowing that people surrounding you are not thinking that, you know, Some I, I heard it on your podcast before that the guy felt like a ghost when he would talk to people because the way they looked at him, it felt... Yeah. They didn't, you know. They're thinking he's going to be gone in, you know, whatever time frame. But believing with you um, that that you're going to get through this, and um, the more normal you can be with anybody, is is helpful. Uh, physical things that you can do. I've had a lot of people say, "Hey, you know, just let me know anything you need." And I, you know, I appreciate that. I I understand what they're saying, but there's not much you can really do for me. Um, but sending a text, hey, thinking about you. Send me something funny, you know, that make me laugh. Let's be let's be normal like we we were two months ago. Um, just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. Knowing that you have that support. That's it.
0: It's powerful, man. I, I appreciate you being honest with us because I think that's something that I, I think for and I know there's probably people out there listening that have someone who's you know, close to them, a friend, family member. And, and I think it's just so powerful to share that story and that information, because I think a lot of times, uh, there's almost like paralysis, there's paralysis on both sides. Right. And I, I think, as you said, man, I, I think just being normal and, and, you know, that I think that's just so such a powerful thing to hear because, uh, People don't change just because of their diagnosis it doesn't define you you don't you don't grow like no, a, yeah. a, a tail yeah, or exactly. a third leg right like you're you're still the same guy you were the day before right you know so I, I think that's the one thing I think that people sometimes forget and maybe the media has something to do with it and you know that as we said before the internet that could be in the other issue you know so it, it's just a uh, you know yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that question I just know uh like I love Sharon what people should act or how they should act because I think that's powerful stuff. Yes. yes. Last question for you, Ryan. What is your definition of pancreatic cancer?
1: Interesting. Uh, Okay. I, you know, opportunity is, is the word, is my word, but it's, (laughs) I've said, you know, hey guys, this is just a a minor setback. It's going to be a challenge. I don't know. That's, that's a great question. And I think we can, we can define it how we need to, but I'll just, I'll just hang on. It's an opportunity. That's, it's not going to define me. I'm going to define where I'm going to go with this.
0: There's no right or wrong to that question. And I think you answered that question magically. And I think that ties back into everything we've said here on the podcast, Ryan is the, you know, your mindset of opportunity and how you see this as an opportunity and You know, you've got your family and friends and, you know, all these other things that you're doing, but this is a a mindset of opportunity and to take on this opportunity in a positive way. And and I think that's the one thing I will share this last tidbit with you. 99.9% of the survivors, and, and you can go back and listen to all the survivor podcasts we've had on this Project Purple podcast over the last two years they've always had this mindset that they, you know, uh, are either, you know, friends with the disease or, you know, it's just a, an opportunity or a situation that they are going to overcome and, you know, it doesn't define them. So you've got the mindset and I think you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. And I look forward to following your journey on this uh, through the through the internet on social media and with that I just want to give you the opportunity to share with our audience uh, where they can connect with you in terms of uh, the blog and also on social media
1: okay Instagram is at long run fit and the website and the blog is long dot com awesome so I'd, I'd love to hear it from anybody I think the more that we come together and encourage Um, that's the purpose for my blog. I've been compelled to share and encourage because of the opportunity. It's a, it's a great way to, to help and, um, you know, reach out to somebody. It's, it's encouraging. We need it.
0: Ryan, thank you for being a guest on the project purple podcast and sharing your story of a strong mindset of opportunity in how you're fighting pancreatic cancer. So I look forward to following your journey, as I said. Uh, really appreciate you being honest and open with us here on the podcast. And as we say here at the podcast, that's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share it, follow us, and thank you for listening.